Mutability. Welcome to Nature's Lead. This is a podcast available at naturesleadcom that both examines and inspires a certain approach towards life that is based both on personal philosophies and on the writings of people such as Emerson and Thoreau. Please send any feedback to info at naturesleadcom or drop a comment onto the blog at naturesleadcom or even onto iTunes or wherever you get the feed from. And if you're new to the podcast, I encourage you to listen to any prior episodes to get a better feel for things. This is Series 1, Episode 20, Title, Finding the Needle in Noise. Welcome again. In this episode, I read from James Joyce's The Dead and talk about how important it is to find underlying truth below the noise of social gatherings. So we'll get to that in a second, but first, today's random window. Well, this is our 20th episode and the last one of 2006. I just wanted to take a moment to thank all of you who have been listening, and I really appreciate the feedback through both emails and the posts to the website. Getting those personal notes on how people feel about the podcast is invaluable to me. I want you to know that I feel very fortunate to be able to share these things with you. It was tricky at first because the subject matter is so personal, and it was hard for me to find the right format and tone before beginning the podcast early this year. But things have been going well, the subscriber base has grown higher than I expected, and I look forward to being with you for a long while. And whether you're celebrating Christmas or anything else that's out there in this beautiful world, I wish upon you some wonderful, heartfelt experiences, and I truly hope you have a surprisingly clear and meaningful year coming to you. As nature turns these last few days along, Let's open our eyes and let the new sun singe deep into our sight. On to the main topic, finding the needle in noise. As we all go off this holiday season to events or gatherings, as we retell who we think we are to countless unknowns, or as we simply join friends and family to update ourselves with the laundry list of their lives, We can only hope that somewhere within the chaos, somewhere, there's a needle touching a record. For the holidays, or any time involving gatherings and parties, are full of noise, a multitude of melodies dissonant to each other. Together, the noise can drown out truth, can drown out some of the rare instances where the gritty needle is actually right there in front of us, skipping and bouncing along on the groove. Real notes, real music... The heart and spirit of one person open raw for us to see. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, and others may be confused since I jumped right into this. Well, first of all, the title of this episode, Finding the Needle and Noise, is playing with two different readings. It plays off the expression, finding a needle on a haystack, and it plays on the idea of a needle on a record player, representing the idea of finding some true music hidden in the noise of our social get-togethers. Parties can be so superficial, so surface in their appearance and experience. This is something that I've always been passionate about. I've always tried to find something meaningful in the noise of parties. James Joyce somewhat addresses this contrast of surface-level society talk against something truly real and heartfelt in his mercurial story or novella called The Dead which is set in Dublin and is part of the collection entitled Dubliners, published in 1914. 
Now, mercurial may not be the perfect word, but I use it in reference to the certain confusion of the reader through more than half of the story, as it's hard to tell what the work is about. The story starts out with people arriving at a holiday party, and most of the story is about the idle chat of people as they put up an appearance and worry about their roles and place. It's not until the last few pages of the work, at the end of the party when people are leaving, when the story takes on a serious turn. This moment in the story is one of my favorite in literature. People are coming downstairs and exiting out the front door, and all of a sudden, for the first time in the story, we see something real. Gabriel is the character who we now see everything through. Quote, Gabriel had not gone to the door with the others. He was in the dark part of the hall, gazing up the staircase. A woman was standing near the top of the first flight, in the shadow also. He could not see her face, but he could see the terracotta and salmon pink panels of her skirt, which the shadow made appear black and white. It was his wife. She was leaning on the banisters, listening to something. Gabriel was surprised at her stillness and strained his ear to listen also. But he could hear little save the noise of laughter and dispute on the front steps. A few chords struck on the piano and a few notes of a man's voice singing. Unquote. There's this mystery about what had occurred, but the reader knows something real and substantive had taken place. His wife comes down eventually, and they leave, and it is only at the very end of the story when this moment is illuminated. Back at home, Greta, his wife, breaks down crying, and Gabriel has no idea what's affecting her. She finally says, Quote, I am thinking about a person long ago who used to sing that song. Unquote. Gabriel begins to realize that it might be about someone whom she used to be in love with. She explains that it was a young boy by the name of Michael Fury who used to sing that song she heard at the party, and she said he was very, quote, delicate, unquote, and had big dark eyes with an amazing expression in them. By this point, Gabriel was a bit put off by this, and he asks abruptly if she was in love with him. She then says that she used to go out walking with him. After he presses her with the bitter expectation that she might still want to see him, she then says that he died at only 17 years old. Gabriel then becomes humbled as he feels like a fool and a, quote, ludicrous figure, unquote, and he, quote, turned his back more to the light, lest she might see the shame that burned upon his forehead, unquote. He then says, And what did he die of so young, Greta? Consumption, was it? And she replies, I think he died for me. She goes on to explain that he was sick, in decline, and that they used to take many walks together. She said that he was very fond of her. But then she had to leave their town to go to a convent in Dublin for the winter, and she wrote him a letter saying she'd be back in the summer. Quote, then the night before I left, I was in my grandmother's house in Nuns Island, packing up, and I heard gravel thrown up against the window. The window was so wet I couldn't see, so I ran downstairs as I was and slipped out the back into the garden, and there was the poor fellow at the end of the garden, shivering. Greta then continues, I implored of him to go home at once and told him he would get his death in the rain, but he said he did not want to live. I can see his eyes. 
Gabriel asks if he did then go home, and she says, Yes, he went home, and when I was only a week in the convent, he died, and he was buried in Ardorard, where his people came from. Oh, the day I heard that, that he was dead. And she then collapses in tears, and Gabriel held her hand for a bit longer before retreating back to the window. He feels so disconnected from her. Her grief and her time with that boy was so real and seemingly so distant and dissimilar to how he felt about her and to his life in general. She falls asleep, and he delicately crawls under the sheets next to her. Quote, He had never felt like that himself towards any woman, but he knew that such a feeling must be love. He then lies there and floats into a world of deep thought. Here is the closing paragraph. A few light taps upon the pane made him turn to the window. It had begun to snow again. He watched sleepily the flakes, silver and dark, falling obliquely against the lamplight. The time had come for him to set out on his journey westward. Yes, the newspapers were right. Snow was general all over Ireland. It was falling on every part of the dark central plain, on the treeless hills, falling softly upon the Bog of Allen and farther westward, softly falling into the dark, mutinous Shannon waves. It was falling, too, upon every part of the lonely churchyard on the hill where Michael Fury lay buried. It lay thickly drifted on the crooked crosses and headstones, on the spears at the little gate, on the barren thorns. His soul swooned slowly as he heard the snow falling faintly through the universe and faintly falling like the descent of their last end upon all the living and the dead. This is one of the more famous short stories in English literature, and this ending is very poetic and dramatic. I personally like it because it challenges this thin layer of interaction in society that is characterized by selfishness and materialism. Idle conversations can be so groundless. We all put up a presentable front and line up just the right things to say in a long queue of forgettables. We need to break through that empty face of social gatherings. It's not that I'm saying these times can't be special and meaningful. I'll be with family and friends for Christmas and New Year's, and it's very warm and heartfelt to be with loved ones. But there's still an underlying side to us all that we don't reveal in those situations. We purposefully suppress our true feelings, our true passions, so often, as we strive to converse at an acceptable level, at a safe level. Maybe we dip into some depth here and there, but those moments are the exception. Parties are elusive. It seems like a lot is happening, but everyone is working hard at keeping anything from happening. What I remember from these times, what I look for in these experiences, is that rare moment when something natural and real bubbles through the veiled face of an evening. That moment when Gabriel sees his wife, she's filled with emotion. I only wish that I can find that in people over the holidays. I want to see those pure, natural notes in people. If you find it, those moments are the only ones that are reflected upon from year to year. And if I'm lucky, maybe I can show some true, singular music myself. But this is the underlying beauty in social events. 
It's a great opportunity. Try to find that true heart in the mystery of the Mass. I don't want to be that person who, too late in life, discovers he or she has missed a beautiful truth and reality in the people that make up our lives. If you find truth in someone, life has given you a great gift. So I'll be out there this holiday season, hoping to find the needle in noise. That brings us to a close, so until next time, I wish you well, and don't forget to follow nature's lead.